trusted voice of truth and light. The narratives that mislead most of us aren't outright lies. They're the deliberate omission of facts that could give us a more complete picture. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. The world needs your leadership, and the essence of leadership is using your influence wisely wherever you happen to be standing. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, here we go. Welcome to yet another exercise of reveling in wrong think. I'm pleased to be joined by fellow wrong thinker Gary Welch. Hi, Gary. It's always good to be with you, Brian. Well, we have a lot to talk about because uh, a week from today, it all goes down. Ah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I meant for that to be much more dramatic. I probably should have had a thunderclap and maybe some screaming of doomed souls wailing in the background. But yeah, we're a week out from the, the general election. And let's talk about uh, what what are the possibilities? I mean, obviously... You know, for some people, it's the world as we know it will end. But uh, realistically, let's just let's war game this out. How, how do we how do we approach such a, such a thing so it doesn't just turn into a, a flight of fancy? Now, you're you're an experienced, you're a seasoned political analyst. Talk to me about how we can approach this with with one foot, at least in reality. So I always um, tell everybody, don't believe polls. Um, they're, they're biased and they're, they have that bias with them. But at the same time, I have never seen a more concerted effort by the mainstream media groups to make sure that a certain outcome in election is achieved. And, and the recent issues, you know, with, with Twitter and, and the other social medias blocking what they they felt like was harmful for their candidate, you know, that active role in them does put concern on my end. Um, I I said this on your show about three months ago, I think it was when you were asking me, Donald Trump is going to win and he's going to win big. And I now am not so certain about that simply because that, that very concerted effort. I mean, this is like all out hardcore press, for them to to make sure that he does not win. I guess this is going to be kind of a, a proof test of sorts as to how much impact social media combined with the heritage media actually still has. And, and word of mouth. And, and I, I never put that down. I know the media types don't believe in it, that that we're still talking to each other, especially in a covid environment. Uh, but that still goes along. That might be a, even a topic we'll bring up later in the show about how people just communicate with each other and within their circles. I do know that Joe Biden is probably one of the worst candidates in maybe 100 years to show up. I mean, it's like the going that far back. Can you quantify and that for, for us? What What is it that makes him such a, a horrible candidate? Um. His well, his memory issues are real. I do not believe that that's a conspiracy thing or a made up plot. Um, just, you know, even yesterday he came out and and they try to play it down. But he 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 thought Donald Trump was George Bush. I mean, that was very obvious when you hear his comments. So his his mental state, um, just him as a um, 
as a legislator. I mean, his term in office, really, what has he done? This guy was a nobody for so many years, and then Barack Obama needed to the Northeast, so he brought him on board, which is what the vice president is. He's nothing more than a vote-getter. He doesn't do anything. He has no role. He's just a vote-getter. Obama needed the Northeast, so he brought good old Joe along to go with him. But this guy has really done nothing his whole entire political career. He does re- he doesn't have anything to stand on, and I just I just cannot see him as a candidate being a winnable candidate. Yeah. And now let's let's say though that uh, let's say that Biden wins. What is? Uh, I know this is this is asking you. Please look into your crystal ball, Gary. What what changes? What what do we see? What are the biggest, most noticeable things that are going to happen under a Biden presidency? So the biggest worry that I would have for those of us that that appreciate and love liberty and and our rights would be a Biden and Senate victory that where the Senate will now change hands and the Democrats will get in place so that basically he's going to be running things for at least the next two years until the midterms can make a correction. And in that case, what we would see really is a hardcore press for them to do their issues. One of the biggest problems that I've always had with Republicans is, and this is where I've always said that they're not serious about their principles is because when they are in place, when they when they have like they did when Trump was first elected, where they have these majorities all the way around, they never push their cause. They never, ever push their cause. But when the Democrats get in, oh, my goodness, they they are actually very good about promoting their causes. So there are some things that we should be looking forward to. And and, you know, the things that he has always promised, which is an expansion of Obamacare. That, that would go out a whole lot more. We're going to see um, a loosening of, of the illegal immigration strategies that have been put into place. That will all go back. But I think the thing that is scariest to me about a Joe Biden presidency, and this is just in the role as a president, whether or not he gets the Senate or not, is I think he's going to continue the Barack Obama approach in international relationships of appeasement. And with China, that is the most dangerous thing that we can do. Interesting. And I I have to admit, I have probably been far more focused on domestic concerns, you know, because of COVID and everything and uh, Antifa and Black Lives Matter and so forth than I have with, uh, you know, what's going on, uh, say, uh, around the Pacific Rim. But it's very, very clear that the United States and China, um, how can I put this mildly, are, are headed for a collision in that area. Well, it's kind of funny because the role of the president, is, as defined in the Constitution, has very little to do with domestic issues. And yet, because of what we have made the executive office into, um, they now are very much pronounced in domestic issues. But the reality of it is the president was always, as by design, to be an international figure more than a domestic figure. Do you do you wish it would go back to that? Because <laughs> there's a part absolutely. of me that does. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, that is that is one of the biggest changes that has to happen in government. 
on all levels, um, at the state level and the federal level, the executive part of, of, of these institutions, these government institutions, have been delegated by their legislatures, by Congress and these legislatures, to be given way too much power. And, and it was the one thing our founding fathers really was scared of is that incorporation of power into one individual. We've, we see where that goes all the time. So let's throw in the uh, the other part of the equation, and that is, of course, uh, control of the Senate, control of the House. Um, if Biden were to win both the Senate, in other words, if Biden were to win the White House and the Democrats were to win the Senate, um, they already control the House, right? Yes. So they would pretty much uh, have a free hand in, in getting a lot of what they want through government through through the legislative process and passed into law or at least policy so there's no way that they can have a dominating dominating control of the senate they would have just a slight majority at best mm-hmm. so then you could the the republicans would be in a place to play the games filibusters things like that um, compromise and stuff like that. But we've always seen that the Republicans have been very appeasing on on compromise with, you know, when Obama was in that situation, they compromised right and left to, to do things with them or, you know, to that. We want to get along with them kind of mentality. So I, I see that happening, uh, that they're just going to push through their agenda pretty closely. Is, uh, you know, I don't know what all of their agenda is, but is there anything uh, in particular in that agenda that you find concerning? Nothing more than that's always been expressed. Um, but I'll, I'll, I'm going to actually tease it with this. You know what? A, where, where I look at the Joe Biden victory is, and that would be the changes that happen to the Republican Party if he wins. I think that's actually going to be pretty interesting. So you think the Republican Party, is it going to go the way of the Whigs? If I had my way. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> now now we're talking. Okay. So let's do this. Let's take a quick break. We've got a couple of bills to pay. My guest is Gary Welch, and we are engaging in wrong think. If you'd like to join us, you can do so at 801-331-8113. Just kind of wargaming the possibilities of next Tuesday's election we got a lot of other territory to cover and a few other topics we'd like to touch on as well. Thanks for joining us. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, once again, welcome back to the show. Our program is brought to you in part by the Staples-Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage. I just want to tell you how thankful I've been to have them as sponsors of the program thus far and let you know that if you are in the market to uh, refinance your mortgage or maybe you're out there going house shopping, well, go out there with confidence, pre-qualified, knowing that you have qualified for a home loan by talking to my friend John Staples and his lovely wife, Heather, the Staples Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage. They're very easy to get a hold of. You simply go to staplesmortgage.com and they can take care of you. Keep in mind that Patriot Home Mortgage operates in 23 different states. So there's a pretty good chance wherever you happen to be hearing this, uh, they could likely help you. 
staplesmortgage.com and tell them thanks for being sponsors of the show. Gary Welch is my guest, and we are talking about uh, the upcoming election next week. And Gary, you kind of left us hanging there with a little bit of a cliffhanger saying that if Trump loses, if Biden pulls off a victory a week from today, the Republican Party may be in some trouble. Talk to me about that. So one of the things that Donald Trump has been very successful at is uniting those Republicans that I, that I would classify as true Republicans, those that really believe in the principles of the Republican Party, because there's really two kinds of Republicans, those that are fighting for the party in which all they care about is party success. Everything else, the principles, the ideals, the, the government that they want to create, all those things are irrelevant. I'm just I just want to beat Democrats. I want the party to win. I want the party to look good. And then those there are those Republicans that say, you know what? This is on our platform. These things are just not words on a paper. They they mean something to me. It is why I became a Republican, because I believe in them. And Donald Trump has been very good about getting those people to jump on board with him and and fight what everybody's calling the deep state Republicans. But the thing of it is, if he loses, I don't think the Republican, especially with Joe Biden, I mean, this guy should not win in any other election, any other time. This guy not only loses, but he loses big. And that it's even close is, is, is bad. But if he should win, I think that those Republicans that follow Donald Trump say, that's it. You guys did this. Wow. Ah, so it wouldn't necessarily be a bad thing, though, if the Republican Party has outlived its usefulness. And I know that's probably causing a few people palpitations. But, you know, we've survived. We survived the loss of the Whigs and the creation of the Republican Party. I assume that uh, something would move to fill that vacuum in terms of political parties. The question is what? Well, one of the things that I have talked a lot with local Republicans here is they keep on saying, you know, Gary, the, 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 the solution is not fighting. And that, that's part of the problem is most third parties are what I would classify as competition to the Republican Party, not the Democrats. Most of the third parties that are out there are conservative, liberty-based type of, of organizations. And they keep saying that these people, because they're you know, driving people off, are hurting everything because the solution is to reform the Republican Party. We, did, we don't need to take it out. We need to reform it. And honestly, I, I don't know if you can reform things. One of the things I've been talking about for a very long time is about the corruption of political parties. The Democrats and the Republicans are incredibly corrupt. And one of the things that I know about corrupt institutions is that they have a very bad record of reforming. Well, yeah, and, and the need for that reform is is great. I, I you know, I, I wish I could say I had some confidence, uh, uh, you know, a sense of how this is all supposed to go down. Um, you had mentioned a few months ago you felt very confident. No, Trump's taken this in a landslide. And there are times throughout this year I felt like, yeah, I think he's got it. But there's a lot of uncertainty, and I, I wish I could even tell you uh, to what I ascribe that uncertainty other than uh, I don't have I don't have as much faith even in the process 
as they once had. And it's not just the mail-in ballots. It's just there, there appears to be some desperation on the part of people who want that power. And my impression is they'll do whatever it takes to get it. And I mean whatever. Actually, that's a very good point, Brian, because, you know, uh, we have become so divided in our society that it really does boil down to a small percentage of people of how they would vote. There are those that will consistently vote Republican no matter what, and those who will consistently vote for Democrat no matter what. And those are, you know, like 48, 48 percent. It's, it's all really around those kind of numbers that these are hardcore, they're voting no matter what. And it's that 4 to 5% that are either the undecideds or the switching or uh, go back and forth and whatnot that really make up the, 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 the election of what will happen. And, and those voters, you know, absolutely are being influenced by a hardcore press, by the media, and by the events. And, and I'll just say this, you know, quite bluntly, Trump mishandled COVID, not really the way the Democrats. Oh, yes. I think his mishandling was not that the Democrats said um, he didn't do enough. I said he did too much. He, he believed Fauci for one reason. I mean, why did you why did you listen to that idiot? That that to me was a big thing. And he went along with it. He he could have taken a much stronger step for liberty. And, and those of us who believe in those things would have been all behind that. He could have prevented this economic, this economic disaster that we are looking at is not because of COVID. It's because of government. And if people don't understand that, you do not realize how things work. No, I think that's, that's well said. That just, I'm, I'm just a little bit surprised to hear you say though, that, that he had mishandled it. I don't disagree. I just, uh, I guess I didn't expect that. Not that not that you're, you know, carrying water for Trump or that you're, you know, uh, you know, wearing your MAGA hat everywhere and, you know, carrying flags and shouting. It's just um, I think he's I personally I'm, I'm cutting him some slack. Maybe I'm going too easy on him. I think he did as well as he could under the circumstances. But there were a lot of unknowns at the beginning. And I think uh, Trump was among the many who succumbed to that fear of, well, we got to do something better than nothing. And in doing so, he placed way more trust in, in Fauci than, than he should have. Clearly, I think you're right there. I think it wasn't more of an honest mistake, but maybe that's where we differ. Right. right. I, I wouldn't. Uh, I, I, well, I don't know. I don't trust any of them. But, you know, the whole I think the whole thing for me is that um, he has a, a pulpit to speak from and, and a voice and he could have stood up and made this very strong approach for liberty, for freedom and calling this thing for what it was really was and and taking that message to a higher level. He did two things that really you know hurt, which one was he he. He backed off and he said, well, I'm going to let, you know, he did the old, let's push the ball off to somebody else type of thing and said, well, I'll just let the governors of states answer, which is, of course, you know, a lot of us would say the right thing to do. And I don't have any argument with that. But at the same time, he he didn't he, he kind of promoted the narrative about what this disease was all about and the actions be taken that were being taken and justified justified him because a lot of Republican governors like we saw here in Utah, we're doing unconstitutional and and what's the word anti-liberty type of methods. And he backed them up. 
and uh, and I wouldn't have. I, I, I felt he shouldn't have. Okay, no, fair, fair point. When we come back on the other side of our uh, news break here in just a moment, uh, let's talk about the uh, let, let's talk about the the uh, servant leader, because I really think that's that's what we need. The problem is uh, essentially um, these elections that that we're facing are allowing us to choose dictators. <laughs> you know, yes, you can go and elect a dictator who will exempt himself or herself from whatever limits on their power simply by invoking the word emergency. So let's see if we can sort out those individuals from the ones who really deserve to be in those leadership positions. Gary Welch is my guest. We'll be right back. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. Gary Welch is my guest. We are talking about uh, what's going to happen next week. No, we're, we're telling the future. I'm dead serious. We got this thing nailed down. All right, Gary, go ahead. So after, uh, after uh, Biden wins, then what? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let me put some pressure on you there. There, there are any number of ways this could go wrong and that's whether trump wins or that's even you know whether biden wins i can see any number of ways that that people are going to be um very ill at ease some of them violently so many of them will be just you know off their game i i don't want to sound like i'm i'm talking down to the really diehard Trump supporters, but I do worry for some of those who have really put a lot of emotional energy and investment into supporting him. If he loses, I worry for their mental health, given how hard this year has already been. So you and I uh, privately, and I don't know if we've ever done it on the radio, but I know when just when you and I are talking, we talk about like these crisis events that come up. And this election actually is like the most perfect crisis event because it doesn't matter who wins. There's going to be a crisis that comes out of it. If Trump wins, there's going to be a crisis on the left where they're going to either have to ramp up their game or they're going to change tactics. But whatever that is, it's going to be much more intense than what it has been in the past. And if Biden wins, there's just going to be a crisis with those on the liberty side of things about, okay, this isn't working. Our guy, our quote unquote, our guy that we put in there didn't work out like we wanted it to. We've got to make changes. So this this upcoming year in 2021, I think is going to be just as just as a big of a crisis as 2020 was. Yeah, maybe maybe even more so. If, you know, if we add in some of the economic stress and and of course, uh, we I know that you and I were going to talk about uh, about covid today. Um, it appears the covid numbers are on the rise again. Huh. Wait a minute. Yeah. Don't we have a bunch of mask mandates and haven't we had a bunch of, you know, other uh, official pronouncements, you know, of social distancing and this business is essential and this one isn't. How could this be? You know, and, and you, we kind of teased it just before the break about talking about this. And, and, and let me clarify this, too, with my comments about Donald Trump. You, you were kind of taken aback about that. But this is something very consistent that I've always had, and I've had multiple conversations with, with people about this. 
I don't love Donald Trump and I don't hate Donald Trump. I didn't love Barack Obama and I didn't hate Barack Obama. In my mind, they both filled the same role, which is you are an employee. You are my employee and I hired you to do a job. And when you do a good job, I'm going to compliment you. And when you do a bad job, I'm going to trash you because that's what happens with employees. And so Donald Trump is just in that same boat when he does good things. And I, I do believe he's done a lot of good things. And, and if it was up to me, I would hire him for another four years because overall I thought he's been fairly good. But at the same time, like with COVID, I thought he mishandled that. And, and part of that comes from a mentality of what are you as elected official? And, and you and I have had this conversation many times. They do not see themselves as employees. They see themselves as rulers. And, and COVID is the perfect example of I know what's best. I will tell you what to do. I will make the rules. And then this region recently came up. Somebody came to me and here in Utah, where me and Brian live, they were talking about, well, there's these statues in, 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 in Utah code that says they can't do this and they can't do that. And I was trying to explain to him, I was like, do you think they really care about the laws? <laughs> these guys are the ones making the laws and they feel like they are the, the law makers versus the representatives of the people. That's a whole different mindset. And that mindset says your laws do not apply to me. And how many times have we seen that? Your laws don't apply to me. I'll ignore what I want to ignore and I will obey what I want to obey. And if I don't like it, I'll just change it because I have that power. And this is what's gotten us into this mess is we've, we've elected rulers, not representatives. Yep. And, and this is, this is the mindset we're going to have to shake if anything is ever going to change. Cause I mean, look, with with due respect, I'm planning on submitting my ballot. In fact, I'll show you right here. My ballot is is right here. Not yet filled out, but I'm I'm ready to fill it out and send it in. But in no way am I doing so with the idea that by submitting this, I hereby am submitting my will to whomever happens to gain office. And and that's exactly was was to my point. So. I use the term servant leader, and that term's been thrown around quite a bit. And I like the term. The, the official meaning of that is a leader who is in service to the people. The one that says, I will be a leader, but I'm going to be service, in service with you. And it's that perfect mix between a ruler and a tyrant and anarchy. So if you have a weak leader or a person who's not a leader, but just a servant, then what you achieve is anarchy and this whole thing that we'll take care of ourselves and we can, you know, I, the, the, the very uh, far, what would we call them? I don't know, far right libertarians, if you will, the extremist libertarians say there is no need for government. We can rule ourselves and govern ourselves and all that stuff. And in a servant's type of situation, that's what you would get. And that would not be a good thing. There is a need for leaders in the world. There's always has been, there always will be. But the question is, what kind of leader? And the leader that looks at it that I am going to lead by service, that I'm going to use my skills and my expertise and my personality and my ability to lead, I have these attributes that allows me to be a leader. I'm going to use them for good. And I'm going to use them to benefit those who elected to me because I am their servant. I'm there to serve them and help them. 
is what happens. So like with Donald Trump, I, I, I agree with him. Don't, you know, don't take over and say he could have put out a whole bunch of executive rules, which, again, I think what Biden will do is one of the things is he will use executive orders to mandate mandatory vaccinations and stuff like that. And Trump could have done that. And he did re- resist to do that. But he also could have stood up and simply said, look, as a position of president and with the ability to have influence on people, I want to talk about this disease for what it really is. I want to talk about your rights and what government can and cannot do in relation to that and outcomes. Because this whole thing with COVID, uh, and we got to talk about this, Brian. I mean, this whole thing is ridiculous as to why are we in November talking about a flu bug? Ooh. Well, we got a couple minutes here before before we go to break. Let's let's set the stage and we can we can flesh this out a little bit more after the after the break. But yeah, it I mean, look, it's ramping up. There is uh, and by it, I mean, the the response of, well, we've got to lock it down harder. Uh, People are talking mask mandates. Oh, no, this uh, this color code has gone into effect. These non-essential, quote, businesses are now being told to shut down again. And I asked you this off the air, so I'm going to ask you on the air. How much of this is to do with the election as opposed to legitimately, you know, this is people trying to respond to a health crisis? There is a mentality in government and it, and it comes from the enlightened elite concept if I have that, you know, the enlightened elites think that they are enlightened is the infallibility complex, which is I have to show myself as being infallible. And once I show that I'm fallible, that I'm human and I make mistakes and I make big, tragic mistakes, I'm done. I have to show this infallibility. And that's where we get these doubling downs from. And COVID is just that. They're doubling down because otherwise they have to come back and say, we made a huge mistake and we destroyed our economy because of those mistakes. Well, is there going to come a time where we will be able to hold accountable those who have made these decisions and then doubled down on them and 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 uh, exacerbated the situation by making it even worse and 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 continuing to flex or is this something that they're likely to get away with it's that's a really tough one to answer because the, it's a kind of a both um those who care and those who want to make change have to be the ones that are going to have to stand up and be courageous and hold them accountable. If you're looking for the the general population to do it, you're sadly mistaken, and you're and you're putting your faith into something that never no, at no time in history you should put put your faith into. Okay, fair enough. I you know I I'm really not ready to go uh, break out the you know tar and feathers. I joked about that yesterday. Well, maybe it is time for a comeback, but no, I I'm not I'm not advocating for any kind of violence here, but I. I definitely want to see some uh, politicians' wings clipped. I want to see those powers limited. And I can't understand why legislatures have been so willing to hand over their authority, with which they're accountable, to governors and health departments. Maybe we can talk about that the other side of the break. Gary Welch is my guest. We'll be back right after this. This is The Brian Hyde Show.
This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. Just a quick moment here to uh, shower some praise on Nikki's Wholesale Food Warehouse. I don't know very many people who don't have a little concern about uh, stretching their grocery dollar, making sure that they are, you know, getting the most for their money. Okay, there might be a few friends. Maybe they're the ones who light their cigars with $100 bills, but I never go grocery shopping with them. And frankly, I have this impression they might just have stuff delivered to their homes and not even care. I don't know. Maybe they're so rich they don't even bother eating. They've had some operation done where it's not necessary. Whatever. For the rest of us, though, it's a concern. And if you are within the sound of my voice and you are either in or around the Salt Lake City area or you'll be traveling through, you should stop into Nikki's Wholesale Food Warehouse and just take a look around. I know a lot of people are stocking up right now, kind of getting their freezers filled for winter. I'll tell you, they have an incredible supply of meats. And I'm talking great, big cuts of beef and pork and chicken. You know, a 40-pound box of uh, frozen chicken breasts. Foster Farms, this is, you know, good stuff. Very reasonably priced. Yes, they accept EBT. They accept all the major credit cards. Everything they sell comes with a money-back guarantee. No questions asked. And a lot of it includes fresh produce. You can get dairy products. You can get canned goods. Uh, can I confess one of my uh, one of my little uh, one of my favorites is when I find a good can, like a number ten can, a big gallon can of pickle spears. I love pickles, and so I buy them in bulk. So I've got pickles to last me through the apocalypse and you know out the other side. At any rate, it's Nikki's Wholesale Food Warehouse. Check them out on Facebook. That's the best place to find them. N-I-C-K-E-Y-S, Nikki's Wholesale Food Warehouse. Directions to get there are right there on their website or on their uh, Facebook page. And I promise they will save you a ton of money. You might even mention when you go in there and take a look around. You came to check them out because I was talking about them right here. Gary Welch, let's get back to our discussion about uh, citizen servant leaders. Uh, Let's talk about where the political parties are going, where, where COVID is taking us. There's just a whole lot going on. Yeah, and it's and it's basically just related to the same thing about this, you know, the 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 government saying we know best. We those decisions were bad, mm-hmm. and now they're trying to cover it up because again they have to have this infallibility thing, and so we ended the discussion about well, can we hold them accountable? And and one of the things that I always talk about is we, we, we say, well, the people, you know, and, and we don't define who the people are and the voters are and and how the you know, how are these people voting and why are they voting? And one of the things that, that I like telling everyone about and explaining to them is when you look at politics, less than 10 percent of us are actively involved in politics and and are knowledgeable voters. The other 90% of the people who vote really don't know. They're not clued in. They're not listening. They're They're not listening to your show, Brian. They're not listening to any of these shows. They're not listening to the news sources other than what pops up on their screen while they're trying to get to their music videos or their TV shows or something like that. They just really don't care. They just look at the big picture of like, how's this affecting my life? Am I going to work? Am my kids going to school and whatnot? Okay, I'm good or I'm not good. Those 10% of us that really know, we're the ones that are going to make change. And it's up to us. And then everyone that is listening to that show, I'm talking to you. It's up to you 
to hold these politicians accountable. And the only way you're going to do that is through the party apparatus. You have to use a political party because that is where the politicians come from. That's the farm that creates the politician. And then within that environment, you have to institute something that is going to make them accountable. Agreed. And look, I'll confess that sometimes I get so frustrated with what's going on around us and particularly, you know, the political races and all the back and forth and all the hoopla. Gary, there are times I want to turn my back and just ignore whatever the reality is that's going on, you know, in in politics. It's ugly. It's it's petty. I I think uh, Isaac Morehouse, the founder of Praxis, described it as violence wrapped in theater. And, And I don't like that. But there's something that I cherish, and that is I cherish liberty. I cherish the free market. I cherish my freedom of conscience. And I want others to be able to enjoy those things as well. And so that's that's why we that's why we do this show. That's why that's why I speak up. That's why I'm willing to be engaged even in things that sometimes sicken me. Yes, I'm talking about politics, <laughs> but it's because turning our backs on it and ignoring the reality is not going to change anything. And and I, I don't know how you break through, you know, that sense of, well, there's nothing we can do about it. Therefore, we are apathetic that that a lot of people have embraced. Like I say, I've been tempted to embrace it myself, but it's not going to change anything. Well, this this is the epitome of the wrong thinkers is that we do come up and and and, and say there is a solution. That's, I think, where the, the, the problem with America right now is we are so discouraged. We are so distraught over this. There's nothing we can do about it. this mentality. Like, there's nothing we can do about this. It is what it is. It'll never change. And I get it. The millennials have absolutely checked out. I mean, that to a core, when you talk about a generation that has checked out, they have checked out because they, they look for themselves and they said, look, it doesn't matter what we do. We elect a Republican. It goes bad. We elect the Democrat. It goes bad. Why bother? Let's just check out and do our own thing. But the problem has been is that there is never up until now, you know, with the things like we're doing and, and, and the party that I missed the last time my mom, the United America Party, there has never been a solution presented. And what you would say, look, we can solve these. We can all of these issues that you're concerned about, all these issues that have not been solved. They're very solvable. You know, we can solve these things pretty. I didn't want to say easily, but they are well within the realm of being solved. But you just got to do things a little differently than what you've done in the past. And one of them is we've got to start putting accountability and trust in government officials. And when I say that word, I know people right now are laughing their their heads off going, boy, what a naive noob you are, Gary. Trust politicians. (laughs) Yeah. See, there you go. (laughs) You're going to join with them, right? Uh, No, I just, I laugh because uh, yeah, I I would be tempted to say the same. Why? why, Who can you trust? Well, that's just to my point is that's where you got to start. You have to start with politicians you can trust. If you don't have them, there was a trust, then yes, give up and go away and let's just cash it in. And, you know, let's let's put the ammo in the bunkers and get ready to shoot it out later on. Guys, that's where this leads to. You know, either we're going to solve it peacefully or we're going to solve it with bullets. It's, that's, but it's going to get solved one way or the other. Well, I think you and, and, I, you and I have talked about there. There appears to be 
you know, a faction, if not a couple of different factions that are they're all for the idea of, yeah, let's let's bring this to violence because they understand nobody wins. Well, the, the ones who aren't fighting are the ones who win. The ones who want you to fight are the ones who win. Violence comes from no alternative solution. Then you just simply say, well, then I'm going to get rid of the opposition. That's my solution. If I cannot find a way to to resolve this conflict, then I just get rid of the opposition and the problem solved. There's only one way to do that, and that is by death or or submission. Total submission. And for those who are thinking, well, you're talking about how things were resolved back in medieval times. No. How about you just take a little trip back about 25 years ago to what was going on in Bosnia, to what happened in the former Yugoslavia? And you'll see that's what happens when a people get to the point where they can no longer even talk to one another. It's exactly what you're saying, Gary. Violence becomes the only solution. And, uh, you know, I hate to say it, but... We've only gotten better at it as time has gone on. Man has just uh, honed and perfected violence to where we are more efficient than ever at bringing death and destruction to other people. Not exactly something to be proud of. It, it isn't. And, and it is, you know, it's just part of who we are and what we are. But, you know, the reasonable among us, those who are reasonable and are intelligent and are able to figure out ways of solving these problems peacefully should. Um, You know, and you and I have had these conversations a lot about these things that divide us can bring us together. There are ways of bringing us together and become a united people. It's just a matter of can that voice of reason prevail? And that's why I love the wrong thinkers, because we at a time are that, you know, when there is none, we are the voice of reason. Sorry, I'm just letting that sink in for a minute. I'm sure I have a few junior high teachers who would think Brian Hyde, voice of reason. (laughs) Not likely. Gary, thanks so much for joining me today. Always, always a pleasure. This is The Brian Hyde Show.